Dies. Nie. Otto. Seven. Seis. Fünf. Stere. Drei. Dwa. One. Hello and welcome to this episode of ESA Explores Base Debris. I'm Rosa Jesse, editor at ESA's Operations Center in Germany, and in this really unique episode, we talk to one of a handful of humans in all history who's been to space. Not only has ESA astronaut Andre Kuipers been on two missions to the International Space Station, he's also in an even smaller group of astronauts who've had to shelter from a piece of passing debris, something that to date has only occurred five times in the station's more than 20-year history. I recently spoke to Andre about this experience, and we were really fortunate and grateful that Andre's wife, Helen, joined us for a bit of the chat to talk about when she heard what Andre was going through and what that was like for her. So first, I asked Andre to tell us a little bit about himself. My name is Andre Kuipers. I'm an astronaut for the European Space Agency, and I had the privilege to go to space twice, to the International Space Station in 2004, and a long-duration mission starting in December 2011 till uh, July 2012. Thanks for joining us, Andre. We don't often get the chance to speak to someone who's actually lived alongside debris, so this is a really wonderful opportunity. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about was when you had to actually shelter from a piece of oncoming debris. What happened? Well, during uh, my second flight, it uh, happened more or less three times that something uh, came in the neighborhood of the space station, a piece of debris. Uh, So two times we had to make uh, a debris avoidance maneuver. And uh, so then it's all calculated that something's getting too close. These were interesting experiences, I must say, because it's announced that the space station will move a bit. And if you know that it's coming, because it's done automatically from the ground, but we are aware of it. Uh, then it's an interesting experience. Uh, one of these maneuvers, I, I uh, position, positioned myself uh, in the Columbus module, mm-hmm. just hanging in the middle, and then the space station get a little boost, for example, and then you see the cables move. So that's an interesting one. Uh, um, so sometimes we have this. Uh, and then one day we were, uh, well, it was announced that we, uh, there was something getting too close to the space station, a piece of an, uh, an old uh, uh, weather satellite, uh, a Cosmos satellite. And they woke us up in the middle of the night. We had to close all the hatches, which you normally don't do. The hatches are always open. Mm-hmm. You train for it a lot, but this time we had to really close the hatches between all the different modules in the middle of the night. That was already uh, exciting. Then we moved uh, to our Soyuz capsules. So we have... Uh, every crew has a Soyuz, uh, so three in one capsule, three in the other. Um, and um, just we had to wait until this object was cleared again. And it was strange. Um, of course, the idea is if, if it hits the space station and you would have a big hole, the rapid decompression, we would be safe in the Soyuz, mm. quickly uh, close the hatch, uh, and then inside we would have our spacesuits, etc. But there is, of course, also a small risk that it's the Soyuz that's getting hit. And then, uh, well, then, then, then we have a serious problem, of course. Uh, so I, I 
looked out the window uh, with the idea of maybe I see something pass close to the space station. Uh, I didn't see it. And after a while, we got uh, the announcement from the ground that we were uh, that we were safe. Uh, and that we can, could get out and resume our work or sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was an interesting experience. Um, and uh, so you, you you have this contact with the ground, um, and you don't really see the danger, but you know it's there. Uh, yeah, interesting. And well, we had another event that was had to do with a small piece of debris that's one of my colleagues one more in, in in the cupola in the well the watchtower with all the the windows uh, he saw a little uh, little damage very small uh, but then of course we had to close this uh, this the cover for the window and uh, so we had to make sure that there was no structural damage to the glass for example so several events uh, dealing with debris yeah, that's really interesting. Do you have any idea of the size of this object that passed um, when you had to take shelter? It was a piece, uh, but I understood that it was a piece of a, an accident that happened in 2009 when Iridium uh, satellite hit uh, a Cosmos old military weather satellite. Uh, and uh, that it was part of that uh, problem. And that's what you see when there is an accident. It, it spreads because of uh, collisions. It, it gets another direction. It has lots of different speeds, so you can, yeah, it's not all all going the same direction, unfortunately. Uh, and this is what you get. And these pieces can cause other damage, and then, uh, well, you get a cascade, uh, cascade effect. Yeah, the Kessler syndrome. We've heard a bit about that. It's uh, worth avoiding for sure. Yes. Well, I hope it, it never happens. <laughs> And Helen, thanks for joining us to talk a bit about what this was like for you. So while Andre was sheltering in the Soyuz capsule, how did you feel? Can you take us back to when you found out? Yes, well, I remember this moment very well because I was in Budapest at the time with my mother. And uh, it was announced, of course, that they had to make a maneuver uh, because of this uh, piece of space debris that was uh, coming towards the uh, ISS. Uh, so I believe it was in the morning or in the afternoon, uh, and we were we, we stayed in the hotel room. I was sitting on the bed with the laptop open, uh, uh, listening to uh, NASA, uh, who was broadcasting live uh, about this maneuver, uh, just to follow how things would go. Uh, so it was a particular moment during uh, Andre's uh, mission. Yeah. Yes. And I guess he got in touch afterwards and you knew everything was fine. And Once the peace had passed, uh, we all knew that the ISS was safe and that it could leave the Soyuz again. Okay. Uh, so we, I just waited for this moment uh, for the debris to pass and then, uh, you know, it was fine. And uh, I, I believe I went back into the city with my mother. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it was a particular moment and, and it, it, it's... Uh, it's also strange because it's not a, a situation that you foresee. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, well, they monitor, of course, every every piece of debris uh, which is uh, nearing the station. So uh, it, it it was um, uh, a, a bit frightening. Uh, this is the reason I, I I wanted to listen to what was going to happen, and if uh, Andre was, you know, forced to uh, to come back with the crew in the Soyuz or not. 
uh, yeah, that would have, uh, you know, made the mission a, a very different one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fortunately, these events don't happen that often. But yeah, that must have been a real surprise to hear about it. So, Andre, I've heard of sounds around the ISS that could indicate debris maybe hitting the outside of the station. Did you ever hear anything like that? No, you could hear interesting noises. Well, first of all, it's not quiet. Uh, you hear the, the fans of the computers, you hear uh, somebody on a treadmill, you hear the communication, there's always noise. Uh, in the Russian segment, even more, you work with earplugs. Um, so, uh, and what was interesting in my case, uh, that was what, when I was working in the Columbus module, I had to be behind a rack and do some, some maintenance or, or find something. And then I hear, cracks, I heard noise, and it was like being not in the Columbus module, but on the ship of Columbus. And it also you hear as if it was a, a wood, and it was because of temperature differences on one side and the other. So it's, it's a, it was a, a normal sound, uh, but it, I did not hear, say, the sound of a hit. I never heard that. Okay, no. but that paints a really good idea of what it's like to be in the space station and those sounds. Did you ever see any signs of debris impact? So you mentioned uh, in the cupola, you saw a little chip. And there's a picture that's reasonably famous, I think, now that Tim Peake took of this seven millimeter impact chip that apparently came from possibly just something as small as a paint fleck. Did you see any other signs of debris or any damage? No, no. That the, the window in the window of one of the the cupola window there I saw uh, one day a little hit it was maybe a millimeter or something but it was something new mm. um, and on the other side I did not hear it I did not I mean we have a lot of windows so I saw a lot of different places on the station but I did not notice that there was uh, uh, damage on a solar panel or on on the, that's good. The outside or the antenna or something like that. Yeah. So I didn't notice that. Um, but, well, sometimes you clearly uh, have some damage, that's, that's for sure, yeah. Um, and when it came to the training that you did, obviously astronaut training is extensive. What was it like when it came to debris scenarios? Yes, the training on emergencies is one of the, well, most uh, interesting training there is. But you, you have that a lot. Uh, it's also for team building. Who does what? Uh, and one of the most exciting ones is finding a leak. Um, it's it's practiced both in the US and in uh, in Russia. Uh, and in Russia, we do uh, really really realistic training because there they have a part of the space station in a big hyperbaric chamber. So they really lower the pressure outside, and then they create artificial a hole somewhere. And you have to solve it. And you feel it really in your ears. This is what uh, during training you always say, okay, uh, you feel it in your ears and, and look at the, uh, the pressure sensors. And, and then you start, you have to find the leak. But in this case, it becomes very realistic. You feel the tension because there's really low pressure outside. So uh, it makes it much more realistic. And then you want to uh, hurry up because you don't... Uh, is dropping so you don't have too much time uh, and then it's also you make can make mistakes and in our case uh, one of the, the first trainings that happened with my very first crew in 2004 uh, 2003 
uh, we came, uh, we, we, we closed the hatch to measure the pressure. Uh, but the problem was the leak was behind us. And then we wanted to open the hatch again. And that didn't work because there was already air pressure differences and the hatch opened to the outside and we couldn't get the hatch open anymore. So that was a very good lesson that always make sure that you have safety in your bag uh, and that you can still open a, a, a pressure uh, a hatch when the leak is on the other side because a little bit of air pressure differences is enormous force. So we get serious training on that. And uh, uh, we also I learned how to fix a hole with the equipment we have for that. Uh, but the most challenging thing is to find the leak because you go to a hatch, then you close it. You mm. have to wait. You measure if the pressure is dropping. No, uh, pressure is still dropping. Okay, so it's not that hatch. Then you go to another one and then you close that module. And this is how you work very careful uh, until there's too little pressure. Uh, we watch yeah. our screens and you can see the pressure drop and there's a limit. So at that moment, maybe you take some oxygen, but then it's time to leave. And then, then okay, bad luck. And then if you cannot find a leak, yeah. you have to go to your Soyuz and be safe. So this is good training, serious training. Well, that sounds definitely very worthwhile. High pressure uh, environment. Low pressure in this case. Low pressure environment. Um <laughs> So the debris issue, how much would you say that it's <laughs> how much would you say that it's on your mind while you're up up in the ISS or or for astronauts out on a spacewalk? Yeah, actually not so much. Uh I you feel very safe. Uh, I mean space flight, you it's really teamwork. Uh, astronauts are just the hands and the eyes of the people on the ground and you build on all the expertise of the people, uh, mm. people who design it, people who, who build it, people who do quality control, who test it, who control it from the ground. So actually, I felt very safe in the space station. And because of that, because it's a very nice environment and you can work around normal temperature, normal air pressure, as if you are at home in a lab. Uh, that, and therefore, we have drills now and then. So then the ground says, okay, we're going to have, we're going to, uh, pretend that we have a fire or a leak. Uh, what do you do? So take the procedures. So to make us realize that this is for real, that you're there's only a few millimeters of aluminium between you and a vacuum of space. Yeah. So that's good to be aware that there is a possible danger and what you have to do if something happens. So uh, and every day uh, uh, we check the pressure sensors also. Uh, and, and, and it happened in some cases that there's a little leak somewhere uh, and this is the way you find out. So safety first, uh, also with leaks, of course. Yeah. Sounds harder than finding a leak in a bike tube, that's for sure. <laughs> Much more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially if it's a small leak, then uh, it's very hard. It's, if it's a small leak, it's very hard to find, to find it. Uh, if it's a big one, then it's important to uh, to close the hatch quickly. This is also what we learn. Uh, one of the first things you do when you are new in the space station, you do the emergencies. Where are the fire extinguishers? Where are the oxygen masks? Where do you get more oxygen if your bottles are empty? And how do you close a hatch quickly? That sounds easy because on the ground, you practice it. You're standing very stable. If the hatch, you close the hatch from above your head down. And in a, few, in a few seconds, you have the hatch closed. But in space, the hatch is floating and you are floating. 
So you can pull on a hedge, but if you have no uh, resistance somewhere, nothing happens. So you really have to learn how to fix yourself and get this get this hedge down uh, quickly. So this this is training that uh, that can be very useful. Also maintenance. Yeah, we have we do cleaning on board, repairs, and maintenance, and one of the things you have to do is to check the rubber O-rings around the hedges because if there is uh, a piece of uh, yeah. Uh, experiment or whatever something that floats there and gets stuck uh, on the on the rubber o-rings then you have a leak in the hatch so these are important things so yeah. maintenance important training and now and then a drill yeah um our last question for you is for anyone that has seen the call for new astronauts who is interested in going up there but a bit worried about debris do you have a message for them yes the message is that at uh, our altitude, there is little debris. Uh, we don't have a big problem with that. Uh, first, uh, uh, second, we are protected. We have debris shields with the idea that the first part, the first particle is dispersed and you get very small parts in the next layer. So it's, uh, mm -hmm. we, we have protective layers for that. Third is that a leak is not always fatal. It can be a small hole which you can fix. And the fourth one is, well, even if it's a bigger hole, we know how to, you can closely uh, uh, close the, the hatches, you can go and always safe in, uh, in, uh, in your Soyuz. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's a matter of statistics and training. And uh, I would say that there's a, you have a, a bigger risk in getting a car accident or something like that. So uh, it wouldn't stop me. And it didn't. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Helen, of course, to talk about this important issue. It was really fascinating to get insights from your unique experience. It was a pleasure. And uh, I hope we can, uh, we, we don't have to uh, solve a lot of debris problems in the future. So therefore it's important there's good rules that everybody's responsible for what he brings into space and get it back if it's not used anymore. So that's all for today's episode, and if you want to find out more about space debris, go to isa.int forward slash space debris, or follow the hashtag space debris for more information. And subscribe to updates from ESA Explores Space Operations for more of what's going on at ESA's Mission Control in Darmstadt, Germany, where missions come alive.